Hello and welcome back to the Unreported World podcast. I'm Krishnan Guru Murthy. This week, reporter Shay Rhodes takes us to Gaza to reveal what must be one of the world's most unlikely property booms. With prices in elite areas like El Ramal on a par with London or New York, location, location, location is everything. But it's not just about good schools and shops. El Ramal is also where the UN building is, and it's protection from Israeli shelling that Gazans think is worth paying for. Do you bring your family to the beach? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yes. But usually in the morning. In the morning. For Essam Mortaja, the Mediterranean is just a short walk from home. He's an estate agent and property developer, and given his location, he thinks he's onto a winner. Where is the world like this? Where? But this is Gaza. It's under Israeli siege, and every few years there's a war. Essam says forget about all that. The property business is on a roll. There's been a boom. Business has never been so good. Essam shows off some of the glitzy properties he's helped to sell. In downtown Gaza, prices have trebled in four years. That's also $3 million. This is $1.5 million. Essam deals with some of the most expensive properties around, apartment buildings and luxury villas. But there are complications. Israel considers Gaza's government Hamas terrorists and has imposed an economic blockade which restricts the movement of people and goods in and out. There was all-out war in 2008 and again in 2012. There used to be two villas there. One of them is still available. The other was destroyed. The villa was bombed by an Israeli jet. Property prices in this neighbourhood still haven't recovered. This is Essam's home patch. It's called El Ramal, and it's the wealthiest area in Gaza. He shows me why it's so desirable. There's the UN building. It means Israeli planes cannot drop bombs here. When Israel bombed the UN headquarters in 2009, there was an outcry. Prices here show Gazans think it won't happen again. Nearby, Essam's renovating his office and family home. I paid $15,000 just for the decoration here. You have to have prestige here. You have to live like a millionaire. Essam's expanding his business to take advantage of the boom. He needs to do more deals than ever to pay for his big investment. Do you think the property prices here are going to continue rising? Double. 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 The real estate, like my father... Real estate, like my father said, never lose. It's like gold. Nearly two million Palestinians are trapped in this 25-mile strip of land, squeezed between Israel, Egypt and the sea. It's already one of the world's most crowded places, but the population's growing fast, and the blockade makes it hard to leave. An extra half a million people will live here by 2020. That's one reason for the property boom. 
It's supply and demand. If there's no demand, prices wouldn't be rising. Doesn't the conflict have an effect on, the, on people's willingness to buy around here? I mean, just a few months ago, the Israelis were bombing targets all over the Strip. On the contrary, the 2008 war created these conditions. It's what started prices rising. The conflict destroys homes and worsens the housing shortage, driving prices up further. There are the newly rich who've become millionaires in six months. They have become rich from the war. Thanks to God, they're rich. Essam was born into one of Gaza's wealthier families. How much is he asking for it? His dad was in property too. $2,000 per square meter. He spent his life chasing deals. Someone just called me about a property sale. He wants about $2 million for it, dollars. There aren't many people in Gaza with that sort of cash, but Essam knows most of them. <laughs> the property is a holiday village on the beach. Within a few hours, Essam has a potential buyer. How much is it? Two million dollars. His client is Munir Lobka. He's made his money selling cars, but lately he's been investing heavily in real estate. It's nice, but the price is back-breaking. There are five villas in this development. The Israeli blockade stops almost everyone travelling from Gaza, so renting villas like these is the nearest people can get to a holiday. Every day, more than... Every day, more than $500 every villa. That's a potential rental income of $2,500 a day, but Munir is not having any of it. If tourism flourished, it wouldn't be like this. It would be booked 24 hours a day, but there is no tourist business. Essam's not getting anywhere with the tourism angle, so he changes tack. If you split up this village, you can sell each building on its own. Each one is worth $500,000. You think they will go for $500,000? They won't sell for that much. Munir says the complex is overpriced, but Essam thinks he'll be back in a day or two. He always, when any buyer come to buy anything, he always say no, more or less, 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 less. Essam asks us for a lift back to his office. How come you don't have a car at the moment? Because I sell it when I buy it my, my home. Oh, yeah? All over it, but I sell it. So everything you have now is in property? Ah, yes. Wow. Big but risk. Rising property prices have sparked a building frenzy in Gaza. From where I'm standing, I can see one, two, and this massive fourth development here. Loads of flats are being built around here. There's construction going on everywhere. 
The Israeli blockade restricts building materials. Israel says Hamas uses them to build military bunkers. But Gaza's property developers have found a way around this. They're smuggling building materials through tunnels. I'm standing at the entrance to one of the tunnels that links Gaza with Egypt. From here I can literally see the border and those houses over there are in Egypt. So this isn't a very subtle operation, but you've got this winch here which pulls huge loads of gravel at the moment they're bringing through all the way from Egypt. Pressure from Israel means Egypt won't allow supplies to cross its official border. But most of the time, Egyptian officials turn a blind eye to the tunnels. These tunnels are run by Emad Shayeh. In Gaza City, I see buildings going up all over the place. Is it all based on the materials you're bringing through this tunnel? 90% of the buildings in Gaza are from the tunnels. Okay. Emad says the tunnel extends for a kilometre right into Egypt. about you down here. It's constantly stuff moving this way from Egypt and then empty carriages coming down from that way. And if you're not careful, these wires can get tangled around your feet. And of course, each tray weighs well over a tonne. Emma, how many tonnes of gravel are you going to move today? 400 to 500 tonnes. It's estimated that around half a billion dollars worth of goods pass through these tunnels every year. The Hamas government benefits by taxing the trade, but the tunnels have also created a thousand millionaires in the last five years. New wealth that's helping fuel the property boom. I've been directed to this palatial looking villa on the outskirts of town because I'm told that this is where I'm going to meet a tunnel millionaire. Nada, good to meet you. Thank you. So this is your house? Wow. Nada comes from a family of farmers who own land on the border. He's been digging and running tunnels for the past eight years, and he says he's made a fortune. Uh -huh. So you've got second tunnel, second one. And the second kitchen? I can't get over the size of this place. Every time we go around a corner, there's another room or another balcony. And everything is finished to perfection. In 2004, I didn't even have money for a pack of cigarettes. Clearly, judging by your house, there's a lot of money in, in tunnels. How much do you think you make? When we bring in as much as 5,000 litres of fuel, we make $5,000 a day. And did you put all of that money into properties like this one? Of course, I put it in this house. Gaza's property boom has made a small group of people very wealthy. But in this economy under blockade, the majority of the population depends on UN food handouts. Over a third are unemployed. Rising property prices haven't been good for everyone. This neighbourhood behind me is called Shijaya, and it has some of the lowest house prices in Gaza City, not just because of how it looks, but it's actually a border area. If you go all the way down this road, you get to the border with Israel. It makes the whole area quite vulnerable. Shijaya is home to Ahmed El-Rabai, a police officer. 
He lives in a one-bedroom flat with his wife, Umar Rafat, and their family. They've been living here for nine months and hated it from day one. As you see, it's very dark. If we close the window, we can't see. Also, I want a room for my children. They sleep in the living room in the cold. So they're looking for a bright, sunny house with at least two bedrooms. But the property boom has seen the rents for apartments quadruple. It's always going up. Those whose houses got bombed want to rent and people have become exploitative. And for Ahmad, an additional complication. He works as a Hamas policeman and some landlords are afraid the Israelis might bomb them as a consequence. People are afraid for their building. I once told a woman that my husband works for the Hamas government. She did not want to rent to me. Ahmad and I hit the streets. Israelis may not target junior policemen like him, but they do attack their offices. Ahmad says their local police station was bombed by an F-16. The closer to any security building, the cheaper an apartment is. Ahmad finally hears about a flat that's available and within their budget, $120 a month. First of all, what do you think of the area? I think it's too far from schools. We can always send them to another one. We have to see inside first. But we have to like it to rent it. All right, well, let's not start arguing now. Let's get in. I mean, there's some light. But the neighbours can see us. By the time we get to the kitchen, Umar Rafat is ready to leave. It's a dirty kitchen. The one I've got is cleaner. The landlord says it's a great area to bring up children. The area is safe. The Israeli Air Force doesn't come here. There's no bombing. It's also close to the market. But Umar Rafat is not convinced. The kitchen will be too small. It's not a problem. The smell of fried food will go everywhere. It hasn't got a proper window. The family's search for a new home must continue. I meet another working family suffering in Gaza's tricky property market. Saida is a hairdresser and Mohammed a taxi driver. They and their four children are happy where they live, but the landlord needs the house for his daughter. This will be the 15th time they've moved in 11 years. So tell me, what are your, your top three criteria in a house? The price is the most important one. And it has to be far from police stations. So if there's bombings, my kids won't be scared or harmed. That afternoon, we head to a viewing. The agent shows us around. Here you have the kitchen. This three-bedroom flat is bright and spacious and well-finished. It costs $220 a month, and it's even got a view of the sea. But it turns out that's a problem. 
It's close to the sea, so in wartime, gunboats would hit here. I'm scared of these areas. Still, the landlord tries to soothe Saida's concerns. Fear only exists in wartime. During wartime, people in this area simply evacuate their houses. People who live here have told me horror stories. I just can't live here. You are right, but in the last war, these buildings were not affected. All outside buildings were damaged and people injured, but not here, thank God. And then there are the neighbours, fighters in an upstairs flat who occasionally fire rockets into Israel. The fighters live on the roof and in the apartment block. No one can argue with them. They're government people. Does that mean you wouldn't consider any of the apartments in all the blocks in this area? Because there's about ten. Not even if the rent was cheaper. Not even if it was $100 less. <laughs> I caught up with Essam, the estate agent. I have more than five minutes in the film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. just five minutes. <laughs> or the best five minutes. Yeah, probably the best five minutes. The best five yeah, minutes. So, yeah. Good. Essam's on his way to meet another potential buyer for the holiday village. Hatem Abed is from a merchant family, part of Gaza's old wealth. He imports electrical fixtures, something Israel now allows. Hatem is one of my very best clients. But Essam's in for a disappointment. Hatem can't keep up with the property prices or the new wealth of the tunnel millionaires. Today I don't have the capital to work the numbers we're talking about. Downstairs, Hatem shows me the problem. He's got a million dollars worth of merchandise in a warehouse unsold. It's been in storage for a year and a half. If I'd put this into property in Gaza, I'd have made half of it back by now. You'd expect him to be doing well in the construction boom, but he's being undercut by the tunnel smugglers. Life's at a standstill. Exactly like this car. This car's been sitting here for six months. You think you're going to close this deal? I try, I do my best. All that will take time, not directly. Yeah, of course. Of course. Essam's renovations are nearly finished. The builders will want their final payment, but he still hasn't sold the holiday village, and all over town, there's talk of a slowdown in the property market. There's been many new buildings at the same time. Wait, the market will absorb them and prices will go up again. In the rest of the world, when, when we get to this, this peak moment, people start to become afraid. In America, in England, the property market's crashed. Couldn't that be about to happen here? All the world is down. Mm -hmm. Gaza is in crisis. Yeah? Forever? Don't afraid. <laughs> Believe me. Don't afraid if you are here. I get a call from Ahmad. With rents spiralling, he and Umar Rafat have decided to get a mortgage and buy somewhere now before they're priced out of the market. This is a better face. 
What do you think? Thank God it's good. It's a modern building. Ahmed has been told this flat is for sale at $15,000. They may just be able to afford it. The bank would lend us up to $12,000 and the rest we will try to manage, God willing. The owner gives us a tour. It feels to me like you're making a bit of a sacrifice because this is, this is a bit smaller than your place and it's still only one bedroom. If we bought this, we would be property owners instead of just renting. I'd rather live here than in a rented palace. Their dream of owning their own home seems within their grasp. How much do you want for this house? The price for this house is $20,000. Mohammed told me $15,000 would be okay. I don't know why he told you that and based on what. But that's why we came. The owner has added $5,000 to the asking price. What's your final price? $20,000 is the best I can do. Now it's way more than they could realistically afford. I don't expect we will ever own a house. I feel we will be renting for the rest of our lives. And so will my children when they grow up. I say to them, I pray to God that your fortunes are better than ours. State agent Essam thinks he may have had a breakthrough. Munir, who initially turned down the holiday village, has returned to the negotiating table with a proposal. This land is beautiful. In exchange for the holiday complex, Munir is offering a plot of land close to Gaza's wealthiest area. Whichever plot you prefer, the frontage on this one is 26 metres by 51 metres. Essam senses a good deal. This land is good because near the restaurant. The restaurant is famous here, uh, Roots. Roots uh, restaurant is good. You want this plot or the other one? He's talking as if this land is worth exactly the same as the resort. You have to pay money on top. He's sure the seller would accept. They thrash out an agreement in principle. So what do you reckon? Do we have a deal? Yeah? Good. Go and shake my hand, shake his hand. That's the deal. Sam's found a buyer, a sign that Gaza's property market is alive and kicking. How much do you think this piece of land's worth? One million and five hundred dollars. One million and five hundred thousand dollars. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. 1.5 million. 1.5 million. You need three million dollars to make buildings. When you sell to you, you add more. When you sell, you add $1 million profit. That sounds like a lot of money to me. That's a lot of money. Nothing, yeah? Nothing. 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 This must be the strangest property market in the world. Essam, ever the optimist, thinks that where conflict has been good for the property business, one thing could make it even better. What would happen here if there was peace between Gaza and Israel? 
The price of land would double from what it is today. What do you think this area is going to look like when your son's your age? The best area in the world. Our thanks to Shea Rhodes in Gaza. This Unreported World podcast is part of an extensive programme archive that you can watch from anywhere in the world by visiting the website at channel4.com forward slash unreported world. You'll also discover behind the scenes footage, exclusive articles and details on how to join the Unreported World conversation on Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Guru Murthy, goodbye.